0: Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas with your hosts Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: All right, welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode, episode 2. I'm your host Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host Ryan Ray. Ryan, it's been a busy week, man. How's it going?
0: Yeah, and apologies. We were hoping to get one out when I got back from Africa, but just was too tired and couldn't get it done. Um, but this week has been busy, as you mentioned. Uh, special thanks to Sergio Chapa, who covered my other podcast, the Global Energy Leaders Podcast, in the San Antonio Business Journal this week, along with a handful of other really good podcasts. And so we'll we'll link to that in the show notes and all kinds of other stuff, Josh, that's going on as we talked about offline. And uh, busy and exciting times around here.
1: Yeah, man, so the trip in South Africa, man, you got any, any jet lag left over, or are you back to normal?
0: No, you know, I actually slept pretty good on the on the plane ride coming home, and so I, uh, I feel pretty good and, you know, ready to get into it.
1: All right, man, all right. Well, before we jump in, Ryan, I wanted to uh, remind our listeners of uh, globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. There we have, uh, I checked this morning, there were 15 jobs posted this morning, and uh, there were four that I thought were pretty interesting. There's an operator out of Kermit, Texas. Uh, Oxy is offering a job to a planning engineer out of Qatar. Uh, engineer technologist out, uh, out of Midland, Texas, and then a technician pipeline trainee in Carthage. Uh, there's about 11 more that are on there. If you're interested, go to globalenergymedia.com/jobs. Um, lots of lots of cool jobs that we're posting pretty much every every day. Um, so if you get a chance, go check that out. Ryan, jumping into the first article uh, out of Market Watch, there were three journalists that participated in this. There was Myra Seifong, Sarah Shogelin, and Jenny Su. Uh, pretty cool article. It, it uh, The title of it is Oil Slips Back as U.S. Crude Output Remains a Threat to Rebalancing Efforts. Um, basic gist of the article was uh, the first drop in the last 10 weeks of our U.S. crude supply just took place. Uh, and with the dropping oil prices last week, this was, uh, at least in my my estimation, unexpected. What did you think about the drop in crude supply for the first time in 10 weeks, Ron?
0: Well, Josh, there's a lot of interesting things here. And, you know, as, you, as I kind of looked at this article and kind of looked at some of the the, the data and the OPEC monthly report came out and you know, what we're seeing is is that the supply is really still dealing with the impact of the OPEC drilling from last year. And so even though that you have the OPEC cut that went in place, the freeze, um, there's still oil that's coming from the three to four months before that period where these countries kind of ramped up their drilling program, you know, to make up some of the deficit that they were going to see during the freeze. And so we're still seeing the, the, the residual effect of that in our storage um, here stateside. And so you know, we're we're trying to figure out, okay, well, you have the OPEC cut, and then you have the U.S. companies that they're going to do what they're going to do because it's not they're not tied into OPEC. They're kind of independent. And they're free, as we know. And so everyone's trying to figure out, and this is what we're going to see, I think, in the show, is there's a theme here is can we balance the market out and can we kind of thread this needle to make it work to where we, we figure out what OPEC's doing, um, where their numbers are ultimately going to end up at. We have the projections, but as we know, OPEC isn't always honest. And on our side of things... Um, you know, can we actually balance it out and, and figure out where we need to be to make sure that we keep the price at, at a good number. And right. so I think that, you know, I, I've been kind of encouraged. I'm not I'm not as optimistic as others about the stability of the market Um just quite yet. I want to see a little bit more. I think we talked about that last episode. Um, But some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today is a, it, there's a lot of good signs in, 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 in today's show that maybe we'll actually see um, the stability that we're looking for in 2017. And I think, really, my prediction is if we can get through 2017 with a good, stable oil market, um, you know that means no drastic swings in prices, really. Then I think that we can look for long-term stability in the marketplace. And as I said for a long time now, we don't want a hundred-dollar oil. That right. that's just leads to you know huge crashes and jobs losses. What we want is stability in the market. And so I think if we can get through these next three to four to five months. Then we can actually be in a good spot to look for long term prosperity for everyone if the oil, if the oil prices will just stay steady, and so um that's kind of what I'm seeing here is that we're we're still dealing with the impact of those those nations who've ramped up their drilling right before the freeze to kind of make up for with the money that were going to lose, and so the storage is just now hitting storage in some areas, and so the storage is still kind of building up. but if you actually look at a lot of the data, they're expecting the storage to start going down here in the next uh, i think it's three to four months they're looking for a deficit in some of the some of the storage capacity.
1: Right. Well, uh, reading over the article, there were uh, a couple of things that I noted. Um, Number one was we had the we had the oil prices drop last week and then the supply starts dropping this week. So the prices actually start going up. It's kind of a supply and demand play. Uh, But there was something interesting. The Federal Reserve, uh, they made a rate adjustment. Um, How does how do the Federal Reserve's rate adjustments affect the, the oil and gas industry?
0: Well, the stronger the dollar is, you know, the more oil it can buy, and so you know, the weaker the dollar is, the less oil it can buy, and so anytime you're looking at, you know, oil prices, and you know, it, it is tied to the dollar because the dollar is what we trade oil in, and so, um, you, when you're when you're monitoring, you know, if you're a stockbroker, someone could break this down a lot better than I could, but the basic is, is the stronger the dollar is, the more buying power right. it right. has, and the more oil it can buy, which can hurt you know the oil prices because it can buy more oil and so that's kind of the kind of the the short version there of what what you're going to look at when you're when, when people referencing the, the the buying power of the dollar as it relates to a barrel of oil.
1: okay yeah that makes sense man um, well looking over the article did you have anything that you uh, that you noted particularly interesting in it uh, I, I think the main thing is the supply and demand the federal reserve's adjustment. Um, I know that that uh, there's one Tyler Ritchie mentioned that uh, oil futures are in digestion mode as they have modestly bounced back from last week's steep losses. So uh, we see we see the bounce back happening. Any any other any other things you want to note in this article, Ryan?
0: Yeah, and I think that you know we want to note this for our listeners. If, if you're working in Texas, where where the hotbed is right now, is that what you're wanting to see here is is, you know, OPEC, we have their data. It's not, you know, there's a varying degree of how much we can trust that data. Uh, We know it's not 100% accurate. Um, But what we want to see, what we want to watch here is, is over the next few months, we want to watch these supply numbers. or We want to watch, and this is where we're going to get to here in a minute, is these U.S. companies, how are they reacting to this? And are they have long-term plays, or are they trying to get short-term plays? And, And as to this downturn, what you saw was, um I, specifically there's one time oil hit sixty dollars. I think it was in twenty fifteen, maybe I have to go back and look, but twenty fifteen it kinda got up to fifteen, uh up to sixty dollars and all of a sudden, you know, drilling kind of ramped up and you know, we we crushed the market. And so I, I think we're kind of past that, and that's where we're going to here in a second. And so I think we're kind of past that market. And if that's the case, then the then we have long term, you know, a long term solution to what we're wanting to do here stateside, and we can keep the market stable. If that's not the case and, and it hasn't been proven yet, well, we're going to find out, then, you know, the market could fluctuate a lot. And so I think that's the thing is when you're looking at all this stuff, this article does a lot a – lot, uh, this article does a really good job of bringing a lot of different variables to kind of help you analyze things. And so, um, again, it's about threading that needle over these next three to four months, in my opinion, to see if we can balance out yeah, what OPEC sorry. does with what we want to do.
1: All right. All right. So the key there, man, is, is the goal is just to balance. We need to we need to get the supply and the prices all balanced out so that we can have at least so we can project out uh, you know, more accurately. Because I mean, when oil prices just jump up all of a sudden, um, it's really an unsafe way to you know base different projects that you want to undertake. Okay, Ron. Um, finishing up on that article, let's jump over to the Forbes article. Claire Pool. Uh, wrote an article titled "Deal Making Frenzy in the Permian Basin," uh, expected to spread. Now, big news, Permian—it's kind of all you know it's dominating right now.
0: Shocker, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, right, absolutely. And it's as a matter of fact, she, this uh, this contributor she coined a term, Permania, all the activity in the Permian right now. So it's uh, it's definitely cool seeing all the deals that are that are happening over there. Um, I thought I, I found a a, a cool. A cool comment from Bob Dudley, the CEO of BP, and um, he, he mentioned that he had to sell some of his some of his land in, in the Permian last uh, a couple of years ago when they were doing the, the cleanup when the, from the oil spill, and uh, that he wished that he had that land back because it would be so much more valuable than it was when he sold it. Uh, Ron, anything in particular um, that, that you found just incredibly interesting in this article?
0: Yeah, and so let's go back to what we just said is is we won't we want companies to have long term drilling solutions that, that, that can be, you know, stable and steady. And one of the questions I've been looking at is how many companies that weren't weren't stable, didn't have long term you know capital resources, have gone out of business? And, and and that's not a good thing. We don't want people to lose jobs. It's just a reality of you know of a downturn, what happens. And I think the thing that sticks out most here is um Later on the article, they talk about the fact that if someone comes to um, the, the, the the investor here and says, "Hey, I've got a one to two billion to buy in the Permian," um, they say there's only like four or five deals like that in the Permian to buy right now. Okay, and so you know that that's an encouraging sign. And here's why: because if you're strapped for cash, you you, you got to sell, right? If you're really strapped for cash and you're in trouble and you're about to go under, you've got to sell, and you sell for pennies on the dollar. It doesn't matter how good the economy is. You just gotta sell because you're gonna go into bankruptcy or whatever the case may be. Right. Okay, so seeing that there's not companies like that, at least according to this article, means that the companies that are out there should be positioned to to weather, you know, these next six, eight, ten months. And and we should be in a good economy, which means that the drilling shouldn't necessarily, you know, ramp up um, too fast. It should be nice and steady pace. And it should mean that also that that larger companies who have robust metrics and robust programs to figure out, okay, this is how we want to roll out this part of our asset, and this is how it's going to tie into this. And so a lot of forward thinking on how they're going to develop their assets can be deployed in the Permian. Um, And so that, that might be the The thing we're talking about just a second ago with threading that needle, it might mean that we do we do have enough large companies with long term plans and long term strategies to make sure that we don't see a market crash. I was really encouraged because I've been curious to to know what were the numbers in 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 in, you know for you can only buy five four to five companies for one to two billion. And compared to like 20 last year, well, that's a significant change, right? That's a significant change. And so that's a good sign that the companies that are in the Permian are stable companies, and there won't be a frenzy necessarily. We can't guarantee it, obviously, but there won't be a frenzy necessarily to go into drill. Every time we see a nice little spike in oil, we're going to see long drilling, long-term long drilling programs that have, you know, they're able to withstand, you know, slight deviations of the market, and they're not going to get overly optimistic over short-term impacts um, maybe by a deficit here or an OPEC news there. So yeah. I was really encouraged to see that. Also, the other takeaway was, I think, you know, we we're talking about offline was Marathon. You know, Marathon's, you know, really becoming a, a player out there. And so, uh, you know, good good to them. They're very diversified in their assets. And so it was good to see that they're kind of, you know, making a play out there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah it shows that they purchased 70,000 acres in the northern Delaware Basin uh, for 1.1 1. 1 billion cash. Uh, which, I mean, that's huge, huge purchase. And, and just to piggyback on what you said, uh, Maynard Holt, when he mentioned that if you had one to two billion, there's only five deals. 20 last year, that's a 400% decrease in in, uh, in stuff for sale in, in Permian, which uh, just shows that people, they don't want to leave right now. It's, uh, it's stable. People have money and are able to invest, uh, like you said, and hopefully invest in long-term solutions to, bring some balance uh, to the market. Well,
0: well, not only do they not want to leave, it means that they don't have to leave. And that's the important thing, you know, as you go through these downturns, you know, every company has a different spot to where they just can't, they can't do it anymore. And I'm talking about whether you're a vendor or an operator, it doesn't matter. At some point you just can't pay the bills anymore and you got to shut the door. Um, and, and so seeing that now that you know that, that that this that we've we've looked at from twenty companies to four or five at that price point, um, that means that we have companies that, that that they're they're at least stable for now, right? They're at least stable for now, and that's a good thing. And so because it, again, it doesn't matter how optimistic you are about the market. If you can't pay your bills, you just can't pay your bills. So um, that so. was a, that was just I think for me to see that was kind of assuring that hopefully we can get these next three to four to six months with um, not a lot of rapid changes in the marketplace from, from the, from the state side, you know, we can't control what OPEC does, but at least over here, we can expect maybe a little bit more stability.
1: All right. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, well, moving on, uh, next article is Texas oil and gas, uh, activity rally continues into the second month. Uh, this is the, from the TPI. Um, very, very cool article. Uh, lots of good information and breakdowns here. Uh One of the things that it mentions is the upstream oil and gas activity in Texas continued to rally in January. The TPI shows that it increased for the second straight month uh, to 153.3, up from 150.6 in December and uh, up from 148 in November. Uh, So we've seen a steady increase uh, from the Texas Petro Index. Uh, Lots of cool things I want to get into with the production uh, later on, Ryan. Is there anything you wanted to, to piggyback on with that?
0: And so, you know, the, the question here is: We just got talking about, hey, okay, you know, how are companies going to react? And we're seeing that there's an increase. And so, um, I'm curious: At what point do we come on the show and say, okay? you know, production's leveled off, and because we're seeing increase, 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 you know, um, a lot of excitement in the marketplace, but I, I'm i really curious to see when is this going to level off, um, and we, and, you know, no one really knows that number just quite yet, and so um, there's a lot of optimism in the market, um, but I, I think for me right now is we just got to talk about, okay, long-term strategy, long-term play, you know, when, when are we going to see everything just kind of smooth out, and, um, but... If you're in the vendor business or you're looking for a job, there is a lot of excitement here because there's, you know, you look at some of these numbers and you can find all this at the show notes uh, that we're going to link to, but... Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a, you know, anytime you see rigs increasing, you see all this stuff happening, there's more and more jobs that are being created. And so, um, there is a lot of hope for people who I, I see on LinkedIn every day, Josh, I see been looking for a job for three months, been looking for a job for six months, been looking for a job for a, a year, maybe. Okay. Well now we're starting to see that with this, with this increased productivity, um, that there's jobs and some of these jobs will be short term. Some of these be, will be more, uh, you know, more steady long-term jobs, but, Regardless, it's encouraging to see this because I know I've got a lot of friends who are looking to get back into the business, and now really is a good time to kind of to kind of get in there and you know and get yourself a job because um, you know until this levels off, people will be hiring.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, there's a, a few things uh, that I wanted to note. Um, if you go down to uh, Texas EMP highlights in January 2017, I found some stuff I just thought was was fascinating. It goes right along with uh, with our first article. Uh, but if you look at um, Texas total, 99.5 million barrels in January, uh, that's 4.5% less in January 2016. So if you do year over year, compare January from last year and January this year, there's 4.5% less production. Um, but if you, if you look at the prices, we're up 63.5% from the prices of January 16. So you see a slight drop in production. But a, a really big jump in prices, um, and you can see also the pretty much the same story with uh, natural gas. Uh, natural gas it was six hundred thirty nine point six billion cubic feet, uh, a year over year decline of about ten percent. So production was down ten percent, but prices were up twenty nine point seven percent. So I mean, it, you see the same the same story where supply is dropping and prices are increasing. Um, I mean. What do you anticipate uh, that to turn into specifically with uh, with natural gas? We haven't really talked much about that today.
0: Well, I think the big takeaway here, Josh, is is that if you go back and look at what the price was, you know, I think it was in, you know the, the the mid to high twenties about a year ago, something like that, to where it is now, okay, um, or where it was in January at least, um, you know. So yeah, production did decrease, but companies can actually make money this year and so you know <laughs> exactly. and so it's a fundamental shift and so people you know they're they're trying to pay off their debt for the past couple of years or they're trying to build a capital reserve it doesn't really matter what 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 their situation is um yeah so you saw maybe more production but you saw a lot more money and that's just a simple change in the in, you know, in the economics of the marketplace which is a, which is a good indicator that we are heading in the right direction um i think you know one of the things that i, I was curious to see Um, You mentioned natural gas is uh, natural gas. One of the things when we worked in natural gas really heavy, you know, seven, eight years ago, um, you know, when when the show revolution was kind of taking place and, you know, it got up crazy numbers is that you're seeing now that natural gas is really, you know, it's really resilient. And so. Um there's companies have learned, okay, this is our price point and this is how we can operate and this, you know, no matter where it fluctuates, natural gas was kind of making a making a comeback. It looked like, you know, last quarter of last year and it's kind of, you know, leveled off now. The winter wasn't as cold as people thought it was and all these other factors. Um, natural gas is extremely extremely resilient and it does fluctuate, you know, it seems between that, you know, that a buck fifty to three dollar range is kinda of where it's it's just been sitting at on and off for the past couple of years. Um but, it, but I think oil hasn't really gotten to that type of a spot to where it's, we kind of know this is a long-term range. Where natural gas, I think you can kind of pretty much say, you know, we know it's going to be in here barring something drastic changing that we can't predict. This is kind of where it's going to be for a long time. Um, with oil, we haven't gotten there yet. And so you're, you are seeing some of these weird numbers where, you know, production was, um, was up, but the profit was down compared to what it was a year ago. And so I, I, I don't know how long it's going to take for the oil, the oil market to kind of balance itself out. But as we get closer to peak oil demand, I think that you're going to start to see that the price will will stabilize. And some of these weird statistics that are in this article, which are very very informative and very helpful, but you won't you won't be you know you won't be seeing that kind of stuff. You know, not not nearly as much.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of mixed results uh, that were you know from from some of this, which it makes sense because of the first article that we went over, kind of why that is. But uh, it's cool to see, and you know, I'm, I'm excited to. At the prospect of some of this stuff starting to balance out well and, and, uh, you know,
0: what, and one other thing josh is that if you look from a year ago um there is you know uh 87.5 percent increase in january uh, for drilling permits issued and so companies are ready and, and and so they're making more money and they're ready to go and so um it, I think the numbers were like 956 in January compared to 510 last year. And so, you, know, you you just stop and you look at some of these these numbers inside of this article and it, it kind of takes a minute to kind of wrap your head around, okay, well, hold on, production was up and the permits are down, but the dollars are here. And, and so I would encourage everybody, you know, just kind of read this. It's very good information. You just kind of take a second to kind of get your head wrapped around it. But, um, but you know, we we talked about a lot of numbers here, and here's another one for you, 87.5% increase in permits issued in January yep. um yep. for 2017. And so um you know
1: that was i think that was the key stat i thought of all the stuff that i saw that would be the most important thing i mean uh to be up 510 permits last year in january this year in january was 956 that's just huge huge increases that are i think uh hopeful and and optimistic about about the you know where we're headed
0: Right. And, and and for those of you who are interested in some of the some of the um you know, the layoff numbers and stuff like that, the article does reference that. So, um, we're gonna link to that in the show notes as well. And you can kinda see, you know, what happened to some of the workforce over the past couple of years and um you know, kinda figure out, you know, maybe where you think you can land at coming up this year with uh with your company or, you know, what what's your realistic opportunity to get a job. You can kinda look at the numbers, where were they, where we think they're going and say, Okay, well, yeah, this is kinda the kind of job growth we can expect, you know, moving forward in twenty seventeen.
1: Yeah, and just I'll just to hit a few of those numbers here. Uh, December 2014, there was 306,000 uh, people employed uh, in the Texas workforce. Uh, this is showing that right now there's 206,000, so it's 100,000 people um, less, 100,000 jobs that are not currently employed. Uh, October of 2008, 225,000. So yeah, thought that was thought that was interesting. Uh, that's what we can expect, I would think probably get to 225 um what would you think ryan in the
0: next 18 months uh yeah i mean i think we can probably get there a little quicker actually you know um just you know it's gonna it's it, again i hate to sound like a broken record it's just really gonna depend on these next i think three to four months to kind of see where thing lays out at um so i think i think 225 is very is a very reasonable number that's not a that's not a large increase and uh so and that's only upstream jobs so that's not counting other other sectors of the industry
1: all right, uh, Ryan, moving on to, uh, to our next article. Uh, this article is uh, written by Joe Fisher with the Natural Gas Intelligence. Uh, the title of the article is Enterprise Buying Bankrupt Azure Midstream's East Texas, North Louisiana Assets. It's published March 15, 2017. Uh, basic, uh, basic gist of this article is that Enterprise Products Partners LP uh, agreed to acquire the midstream business and assets of Azure Midstream Partners LP. And it's operating subsidiaries in East Texas and North Louisiana. Um, really cool, um, really cool for what they're what they're doing. Uh, Azura they were they had a bankruptcy au- auction, and uh, Inter- Enterprise came in and bought it for 189 million, and it's going to put them in North Louisiana, East Texas, and uh, I believe it's 960 miles of natural gas gathering pipelines with three gas processing facilities. So exciting stuff for for Enterprise, man. What do you think about this, Ryan?
0: yeah it is exciting stuff, and um you know we've worked with enterprise uh, for many years now and they're 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 just a great company that they, they do business the right way and they and they they understand the market and they understand how to you know think think the, think of the game we talked earlier about playing the game long term and they don't they, they know how to do that and so um they they have assets already in that area. I'm not exactly sure you know where exactly all their assets are, of course, but yeah, I do know they have some stuff so kind of building upon their infrastructure and uh, i think we're going to see more and more of these deals josh uh we talked about a minute ago about the deals from the land side you know the upstream side i'm curious to see how many of these midstream type deals we're going to see this year where companies that just couldn't quite make it you know or didn't have the right agreements in place to make it you know are going to fall or going to fall by the wayside and here's an example um I don't know anything about Azure personally, but I do know that Enterprise, you know, they're they're a very large company. They have a very long term strategy for what they're wanting to do. as you can see, the the players that have the long term strategy are going to win out. Now, the other question I'm curious is, um, and I didn't see it in the article, is you know, how old was it? Was the age of the infrastructure and stuff like this? Is it ready to roll or? Um, you know and how enterprise uh, plans to capitalize on this you know do they have deals in place with other producers that they're going to kind of roll over do they have existing deals with Azure that Azure just couldn't you know maintain for whatever reason so i'm really curious to see how enterprise takes this you know and, and adds it into their assets um uh, moving forward because you know there's a lot of different variables about what they could use this for and so um it's something to follow for sure as we move you know the next 2 3 months i think this closes in you know uh, early april is what they're looking right. for so you know may june july I'll be watching the Enterprise to kind of see what they're going to do with this asset and how it's going to tie into the you know commercial deals that they're going to try to strike in Western Louisiana, East Texas.
1: Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking, uh, I was going to bounce this off of you. I mean, with Inter- Enterprise buying this, do you think that the the staff of Azure, you think they're going to basically remain the same? Or do you think with Enterprise buying a, a company and there's going to be a lot of jobs that would seem that they're going to have to feel if if uh, It just seemed like a good idea if you're you're thinking about looking for a job, enterprise buying a company like this. If you're in East Texas, West West LA, that uh, probably going to have some things coming up. Uh, Probably not early April when it closes, but uh, it would seem reasonable to think that they're going to have some different jobs coming available different uh, opportunities uh, it would seem what do you think
0: yeah I, I would like to like i said i think the thing to look for here is you know how what, you know what, what kind of infrastructure are they buying you know it says it says 960 miles of, of gathering pipeline a couple of facilities and a couple of natural gas pipelines is uh natural gas, liquid pipelines as well. And so, you know, what what kind of infrastructure is that? Is it old infrastructure? Is it ready to roll? Does it have agreements in place? And so there's a lot of questions about that that this particular article doesn't cover. But if you are in, you know, western Louisiana, east Texas, um, you know, I, I think you're going to be sitting there going, okay, you know, try to figure out, you know, piece together who was Azure working for, what commercial agreements did they have in place, and what potential commercial uh, deals are there because enterprise will be looking to capitalize on those if they're not already um, you know, deals in place that, that they're going to pick up from Azure. So it'd be right. interesting to see. And uh, kudos to Enterprise for picking it up for a cool one hundred eighty nine million. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I I think my bid fell short. I had it at you know I was only at one hundred fifty million, Josh, and so I just couldn't quite right. couldn't quite put the capital to get it from Enterprise. But uh, no, kudos to them. And so um, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch as as we continue to go through this process. And again, just gonna, you're just going to you going to hear the same same stuff over and over again. You're going to see the big, buy up the small. Companies with long-term solutions that can weather the storms. Right now, you know we're going to continue to see this stuff um, at least in the next three to four, six months, maybe. And so um, here's another case of it, and it's going to change the the dynamics on some level um, on what's going on there in East Texas and Western Louisiana with with the natural gas and what Enterprise is looking to do there.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, one more uh, one more article. This is with uh, with Sergio. Uh, he's a reporter for the San Antonio Business Journal. We mentioned him early earlier um, earlier in the show. Uh, you mentioned, Ryan that he uh, he actually did uh, – he, he had a report with uh, several people that were doing some really awesome podcasts. And Global Energy Media was actually uh, featured on, on that article, which was really cool. Uh, this article is uh, M- MMEX Resources, MX I guess you'd call it. Uh, Resources takes financial steps toward new refinery. This was published March 14th, 2017. Um, Some cool stuff here. A company seeking to build a refinery near the Permian Basin town of Fort Stockton. Um, uh, This refinery is being built, and uh, it's showing that uh, it's issuing up to 7 billion shares of stock to buy the rights to the refinery project uh, for Maple Resources. So MX is basically going to be merging into maple resources is that right Ryan? uh
0: well yeah so it's it's kind of um it looks like M- mx um was kind of uh, a privately held company that that was kind of dormant you know it wasn't really nothing nothing was going on there and so they're, they're using that to kind of build the refinery um, business around so to speak um but I, th- I think that you know the really interesting thing here is that um, this this refinery, it, you know, first off, when you say a refinery is being built, that's news because that never happens. You know, I think there's only two or three that have been built in just the last handful of years, and then before that, you had a long gap where, you know, refineries were being retooled and, and stuff like that, but you didn't have new refineries being built. And so it was ex- encouraging to see this, but also the other thing to take away is is that a, um, a certain percentage of this is going to go to Mexico, and so that's you know, so you have the Permian Basin that's going to be selling to Mexico, and as Mexico. You know, is is going through their energy revolution, so to speak. I, I'm curious to see how many more of these deals, especially from the Permian, because it's just right there in the Eagleford, You know, will we'll partner up with Pemex or, or the Mexican government to sell them assets. Um, you know, from from their from their nearest neighbor.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, um, I, I was you know curious about what Imex was doing and why I, how that was working because what I was reading in there, um. It, it doesn't uh, in this article. It doesn't specifically mention uh, the oil going to uh, to Mexico, but it does say that MX uh, had already issued and gave 1.5 billion shares of stock to Maple. So, uh, so MX was just a dormant company, uh, wasn't really doing anything, and and I guess Maple saw an opportunity to capitalize on that, right?
0: Yeah, I, well, I think I think the CEO of Maple is uh um, you know held, held the rights to um to mx and so we need to get sergio on here to kind of break it down for us he's yeah he's he's, 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 he's it's, it's he's the he's the guy and uh, on it but that's how i understood is that you know um you know, john H- jack hanks here you know held held maple and mx and so now he's issuing shares for mx uh-huh. to go buy the refine
1: uh, build the refinery oh that makes sense makes sense okay great Well, Ron, uh, we're well. Hey,
0: yeah. And one other thing on that is, is so that I think this is supposed to be operational by 2019, and so or 2020. Um, and so they're getting ready to go to construction. They're getting ready to, you know, go through the permitting process and, and go through all this stuff that's going to happen. And I think at peak it's going to create about 400 jobs out there in Fort Stockton, um, with a long-term solution of 100 jobs. And so, you know, that's exciting news because some people get worried about oil field jobs that come and go. But you know, and so you will have that here with the refinery being built and you know coming and going and all that. But there's a hundred good jobs that will be coming to the Fort Stockton area that will be there for years and years and years and years. And so that was encouraging to see that you know good stable jobs will be coming to that area um, on top of all the other stuff that will be happening as they go through the permitting process and, and building this refinery and again I know that you know really we, we get into you know the US government politics here but but to, to see that that we're selling assets you know we're going to refine assets here in the Permian sell them down to Mexico um, that's a good sign too because you know one of the things that we have to remember is you know all oil, oil and gas is you know it's it's, it's a global business okay and um and so we're we're buying and we're selling stuff and we want to be able to do that we want free trade we want to be able to trade our oil for someone else's you know whatever the case may be we want to buy it here sell it here buy theirs refine it here so so it was encouraging to see that that's happening as well because the more we can do that the the, the better the economy can run for everyone and so that was encouraging um and i think that you're going to see a lot more deals with mexico i know a lot of the big companies are in mexico right now Working on deals and trying to you know solidify their position in Mexico in the next 10, 15, 25 years. and so um, this was an interesting um, you know, interesting story from that standpoint as well, just to see that we're starting to look at um, more and more deals that are going across the Mexican border. And just so you guys know, Sergio, real quick on him, good guy, good uh, you know I met him a few months ago, and um, you know if you're curious about the Eagle Ford stuff, he is the guy, so go check him out at the San Antonio Business Journal
1: that's awesome man yeah I'm, uh stuff in mexico is exciting man I, there's just so much opportunity there. It's, it's huge so i mean any, anybody that is pessimistic about the opportunity is just not really paying attention man there's uh so much opportunity involved
0: if we knew the market better we could do a mexican oil and gas podcast but that's <laughs> <laughs> but i don't i don't really think that would i don't really think that me and you are the guys
1: for that show yeah maybe, maybe Sergio. He, he might come on and give us some help here absolutely well, Ron, we're, uh, we're running out of time. Uh, we have one last uh, segment to, to, the, to today's show, and that is the rig count from the Baker Hughes. Um, we, we go over this uh, a couple weeks ago. and We see a, a, a slight bump. Uh, in the past seven days, there's been 12 new rigs added, uh, which brings us to a total of 768. And out of that 768, 264 of them are in the Permian. 68 of them are in the Eagleford, um, and, and uh, I missed this. Out of that 768, 392 are in Texas. So well over half of the uh, of the rigs in the in the entire country are found in Texas. And out of that 400, around about 400 that we have in Texas, well over half of those are in the Permian. Um, if you look at the Permian and the Eagle Ford make up 332 of the 392 that are available. So there's only 60 rigs in Texas that's not either in the Permian or the Eagle Ford.
0: Oh yeah, and, and you know it's. Look, it's it's where it's at right now. If you're in the oil and gas business, um there's obviously opportunity in other spots, but if you're looking at the safe bet, so to speak, um, you know, you're gonna look at Texas, you're gonna look at the Permian, and you look at the Eagleford, there's a lot of opportunities in the Eagleford, um, you know, as well. And so but the Permian's obviously where it's at and everybody talked to that's you know, no no shocker here. That's where it's gonna be at for a long, long time. And so it's exciting to see um, what's going to happen, especially again over these next three to four months? Uh, I keep repeating it; it sounds like a, bro- a broken record, but I can't emphasize it enough. From my perspective, that's really where we're going to see what's going to happen by the time we get to June, July, uh, and we, we see what OPEC's going to do moving moving forward. And so, it's interesting; it's, it's an interesting time, Josh, to be in the business, um, you know. And so, I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there. But, um, I, again, I, want, I don't want to leave the audience with, a, hey, the, the, you know, this is the greatest day, or it's the worst day. I think we should be all caut- cautiously optimistic, at least for the next handful of months, to kind of figure out where the market will ultimately settle once OPEX, you know, that, that supply we talked about, once that quits filling the storage, and once we find out what they're going to do uh, moving forward, and we kind of see what the U.S. producers are going to do as well. So, um, good stuff, man. And, enjoyed the show, and um, anything before we get out of here?
1: No, man, that's it. Uh, but we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, look forward to, uh, to doing another one next week. So we'll, we'll see you again Friday.
0: Yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, leave us a rating and a review. Not too harsh. We're just getting started in iTunes. Um, or if you got some information you'd like for us to share on the show, email me or use the contact form at globalenergymedia.com slash contact. You can contact me there. Um, if you're interested in... Um, you know, energy in general, as we mentioned before, we, uh, the Global Energy Leaders podcast, which you can find on every Thursday, and that is also on globalenergymedia.com. Also, if you go to our website, we have a book giveaway that we're doing. Um, you can win a, enter to win a copy of Alex Epstein's The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, and that will be going on until mid-April. So go there, opt in for your chance to win that. And guys, as always, until next time, keep climbing.